Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, and welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate, the dirt, the deals, the people, the places. It's all here. I'm Marissa Luck, real estate reporter at Houston Chronicle. And I'm Rebecca Schutz, housing reporter at the Houston Chronicle. And today we're going to be talking about a controversial rule with the city of Houston and some of Rebecca's reporting around food not bombs kind of battling the city just to be able to provide people with meals in certain locations. Homelessness has been, you know, such an important issue for, I think, for this administration and just in the city of Houston in general. And, you know, we're often lauded as a place that has gotten homelessness under control. But I think what this story shows is that, you know, we still have some areas around, you know, how to take care of this population that remain unsolved. Uh, So thanks for agreeing to come on and talk about this, Rebecca. Yeah. Um, So what's going on now is that Mayor Turner's administration has decided to start enforcing a decade-old law that limits how people can give free meals to the homeless. And while this law has been on the books since 2012, you know, I looked at municipal court records and it's fairly new to start actually giving out tickets because it was so controversial when it was passed. Touches on some really interesting issues about rights and public resources, you know, as I was reporting this. And even when I was just talking to people not that I was reporting, but I was just telling about the story. You know, I think it brings up some interesting questions, which is, do we have a right to help our fellow man however we see fit? You know, the flip side of that question is, does the government have a right to dictate how we do it? And also, like, how should public land be used? Because I think uh, some of the people giving out meals are like, oh, this is this is a sidewalk in front of a public library um, next to a park with an interesting history with the homeless that we can get into. Um, And they see this as like a public good. But Mayor Turner has actually argued that um, by feeding people in front of the library, you attract homeless people to maybe spend the night there. And that prevents the rest of the public from using the library. So he's saying that he's actually protecting a public resource. So to take it back, this goes back to 2012. Uh, Back then we had a different mayor, Mayor Anise Parker. And, you know, when we talk about how much we've reduced the homeless count, which is like every year workers go out and try to count everyone that's sleeping in a shelter or on, on the street or in a tent, things like this in a car. Whenever we say, oh, we cut that number down by more than half there. The reference point is 2011, right? So I would say like Houston's homeless population that was like visibly homeless was a lot higher than it is now. And the city council passed this rule. The rule is that providing food without charge to benefit more than five individuals in need at an outdoor location 
that's not owned, leased, or controlled by the person providing the food is unlawful without the advance written consent of the public or private property owner. So even if it's public, you still need permission. Uh, you know, giving away free food is fine as long as they're not in need. And as long as you don't do it for more than five people, you know, and it was definitely like geared towards the homeless. And when this passed, there was like just a whole lot of public outcry. You know, I look through the Houston Chronicle archives of our stories written at that time and learn that 34,000 Houstonians signed a petition asking that the issue be put to voters as a way to repeal the law. People were really trying to get this law off the books. And the pushback was so intense that Mayor Parker, in this weekly newsletter that was like published by the Chronicle, said that uh, she was giving permission to Food Not Bombs to continue serving meals outside of the downtown library because they had already been doing it for years at that point. So that is the backdrop. Who is Food Not Bombs? It's a it's a group with like chapters around the world. It was founded by anti like nuclear um, activists. And the idea was like, oh, the government is spending all this money on the prospect of war when there are people in need. So that's where the name comes from. It's not like a formally organized group with leaders. It's like anywhere that wants to start a chapter, they can. And um, they just run through volunteers. A lot of places they serve vegan meals here. It's like mostly vegetarian. And, you know, they'll get donations of food that would otherwise go unused and like use it to make like these fresh vegetarian meals to give to people in need. So that's sort of like their ethos. Um, I would say like it's really sort of like activism. Like, you know, if you look, talk to the uh, members, they come from a wide variety of religious backgrounds. I guess I talked to someone who like grew up like going to Catholic schools and, um, you know, saw giving food as like fulfilling a tenet of Christianity. But same with people from Jewish backgrounds, people from Muslim backgrounds, and also people who are like atheist, you know. It's a combination of like deep-rooted beliefs and activism. The first time I heard about Food Not Bombs, I was in Olympia, Washington, which is um, the capital of Washington State, very liberal, very activist-oriented town. And it was, I think it was around Occupy Olympia, um, which is around Occupy Wall Street. And everyone that I knew was in Food Not Bombs. They were very anti-establishment. Some, a couple of them, you know, were self-proclaimed anarchists. Not all of them, you know, are, but very left-leaning. And it felt different than some of the other charitable organizations in the community. And it's interesting because I know Occupy, one of the activists that you talked to, uh, first got involved, I think, through Occupy Houston. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, a number of people said that they traced their involvement back to Occupy Houston because that park with that, that like, reflecting pond that reflects City Hall... That's where Occupy was, right across from the library. And Food Not Bombs was feeding, you know, the activists as well as, you know, everyone else they fed. And a lot of people saw the work they were doing and they just came over and have been involved ever since. So over the years, every once in a while, there'll be like a press release from Food Not Bombs being like, come out. The city says they're going to start ticketing us for feeding. And I think like at least twice I remember Houston Chronicle reporters going out and then a ticket not being issued. So basically, um, 
there was like an ultimatum given and the city sort of chose not to escalate. You know, they, they, they didn't follow through. And then in November, I remember actually you saying, oh, I was at something and Mary Turner said that there was going to be a change at the library. Um, if you want to speak on that. Oh, yeah. So it was at the, I believe it was at Central Houston or the downtown district's like state of downtown event. And Mayor Turner was giving the speech and he was just kind of like casually woven like one or two, like a one minute sentence about like, oh, yeah, we're going to develop this great program to provide food services to the homeless and kind of move them away from the central library. And I don't know the way he said it. I was like, oh, maybe this is like something that's already known and going on. And I remember like sending you a message on Slack and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first rumbling I heard of this. And what happened was uh, the city partnered with Bread of Life, which is a nonprofit affiliated with the church with a long history of serving the homeless. They had their own soup kitchen, but basically they closed the soup kitchen, started focusing on other things like building housing. If you see like the Knowles, Temenos uh, building related to Beyonce, like... That housing project is related to this church. And um, Bread of Life had teamed up with the city and they started providing meals at the same time as Food Not Bombs. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and Sunday at 7 p.m. But they were doing it at a city-approved spot, which is on Reisner, you know where the Houston Municipal Courthouse is. It's right next to that. There's a also like um, a police station there. And this is the police station parking lot. So the church started providing free meals those same four days of the week as Food Not Bombs, a walkable distance away. Um, it's kind of a long walk in the heat, but on a nice day, it wouldn't be that bad. And um, the city was also providing tables and porta potties and like a dumpster for all the trash. So November, this starts and I was like, oh, okay, interesting. They're providing like an alternative, um, like a city sanctioned alternative. And then in February, they start warning food, not bombs. Okay. End of February, you're going to start getting ticketed unless you move to this location where uh, bread of life is. Then starting beginning of March, they start giving out tickets to Food Not Bombs um, because uh, Food Not Bombs did not move to the other location. And I think that's like, that's really the crux of the issue. You know, like the city is saying, oh, we don't give you permission on this public land, but there is this police lot that's, you know, just outside of downtown where you could go. But the way I was seeing it framed by the people who were choosing to continue serving food, they were like, oh, this law is unjust, basically. And I guess bringing it back to civil disobedience, we're going to continue doing this as a way to push back on this law, you know, um, and hopefully find a way to get this law taken off the books, ultimately. Well, what's the significance of the location like of the central library. So they've been there for a long time and um, they just see it as a place they've been for so long. It's a place people know to go. But I mean, like from the city's city of Houston's perspective, why was this an important place to not have homeless people? 
Oh, so this was a this is a great question. While I was reporting like my first story, I really, really wanted to answer this question. Got no response from the city because they were citing, you know, um, uh, basically like legal proceedings. Um, but then later, Mary Turner actually did take to Twitter. So we do, do have the answer. So uh, here's okay. the answer. This is a direct quote from Mayor Turner's Twitter. The city is not opposed to groups feeding those who are homeless, but doing it in front of the central library is discouraging families, children, and others from using it. After people provide the food, they leave, but those who are homeless camp around the library and stay. Patrons and employees of the central library are being harassed and people are choosing not to use the library for events. Um, like weddings and stuff, because people are attracted there and sleeping there by those feeding the homeless. They feed and leave, but the city is faced with the after effects. The city cannot afford to lose the downtown central library because Houstonians and employees no longer feel comfortable slash safe in using it. It is not and cannot be viewed as a homeless shelter. If that becomes the use or the perception, the entire city loses. Can the central library remain attractive to families and children and employees? And can those who desire to feed the homeless do so without negating the other? Yes. The city at its cost has made a space available in walking distance to any group who desires to feed the homeless. The city at its cost has partnered with Bread of Life to provide hot meals and other necessities to those who are homeless four times a week. And invite others who have been feeding the homeless in front of the library to join. We are also providing tables and chairs. But I guess I, I just don't understand if they've been at the library so long, like why do we, why do they care all of a sudden? Was it just the number of complaints increased? Did the population of people actually like camping out there, you know, visibly increase? The unsheltered population has declined generally. I don't have numbers specifically for that area, but it has declined generally. I'll say the city seems to have taken special interest in the library because not only are they targeting meals there, you know, when it's really hot, they usually say, hey, we understand like the heat is so high right now that it could be dangerous. Here are the cooling centers. Places you can cool down can include like any library when it's open, which is sort of like a no brainer. Of course, you can go to a library when it's open and enjoy the air conditioning. But now starting in recent months, they've started saying except for the downtown library. So they're saying like, even when the library is open, it's not a cooling center. So they've taken like special interest in this location. Why? I'm not exactly sure. Um, the library's in front of, or it's near city hall. Is it's it near just city that, hall. Like the and, people that work at the city, that just like literally see it every day, you know, like, cause I've never heard of, I think in your article, you said people can have weddings there, but I've never heard of anyone is that oh, like well, actual- if you look up the Julia Idetson, so so there's like the sort of modern looking library, which is like the library you'd probably use to check out a book. But if you're going to do archival research, the Julia Idetson building like is a, gorgeous. Across the, it's, it's, it's right across. next to their uh, side by okay. side. So, so they're both part of the central library. It's just there's like a wing that's like the archival wing, and um, I would say like architecturally. The Julia Idison building. I mean, it looks like something that, like, from Harry Potter. You know what I mean? It's an, for lack of a better Vant- word, historic vintage. It's a historic uh, building. <laughs> Whereas, um, when you walk through the courtyard and the main entrance, what you like might think of, like, if you go into the underground parking lot and you go up that elevator, and there's sort of like a modern, sort of concrete structure. That's a obviously was built later, right? 
for years, the city has, you know, been trying to have downtown be more of a 24 seven like destination and have yeah. people feel safe, like coming from other parts of Houston, like perhaps it's part of that kind of effort is continuing to try to like revitalize downtown to make, make it a place where, you know, non-homeless people feel safe, quote unquote. I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating like what sort of the broader, like we were saying the first time this came on our radar was when he was addressing uh, central Houston, which is about making Houston walkable. And, you know, they'll say when they, when they ask uh, people downtown about one of their primary concerns, a lot of people like homelessness always ranks high amongst the concerns that people downtown want to address. Uh, The other interesting history about this. So like we talked about Herman square park, that park where occupy Houston was uh, it's this little park with a reflecting pool that reflects city hall. So imagine this park is like a little square on one side of city hall on the other side is a library. That park, uh, also has interesting history that a reader pointed out to me. Uh, so, so the park is named Herman because it was after Herman, the same Herman of Herman, the regular Herman Park, uh, like the bigger one, and um, the Herman behind Herman Hospital. So this was a guy who um, owned an incredible amount of land. When he died, he gave a lot of it to the city for public uses. And he also left the city... Herman Square Park and the land where City Hall is now. And he said that the land had to be a public breathing space. And basically, if you go through archives, um, there's a lot of talk about basically uh, he had this problem. uh, I forget if it was construction or logging, but um, a lot of times on Monday... He'd be like, let's get to work. And it turned out a lot of his workers had been hauled off to uh, the police station for public intoxication. So then he would have to go and like spend all this time getting them out Monday morning. So he actually made the land where like Herman Square Park is now. Uh, He would have one of his like foremen go out and round up everyone who's drunk and like bring them to that square so that they could sleep it off. So for a long time, um, the Houston city attorneys, because if it's not used in accordance with all the stipulations, all the land could be uh, taken back by his estate. So they were like, oh, we think that um, the stipulations given, it's been given to us by, and uh, the fact that in his will it says it's a public breathing space means that people can sleep there. The public can sleep there. And there have been cases since like the 30s, I think, of like of the police hauling people sleeping there to jail and the judges being like, nope, you can sleep there. (laughs) You know, so there's like a court precedent of that being like the interpretation. So this is for Herman Park, though, right? This is Herman Square Park. Like so the park right across from the library and from City Hall. So there's this historical tension in, in this area where it's like we want to clear it of people, but some people see there being rights there, you know, like. Interesting. So it, is, yeah. it does have a very interesting history that um, I, I wasn't aware of until a reader told me. And then I talked to our librarian, Joyce, and she's like, oh, I assumed everyone knew that. She's like, I, I forget that people from not from here might not know. So <laughs> this is why I'm sharing this, because like other people like me might find it interesting. So all this being said, you get a ticket 
it gets dealt with by municipal court, right? Um, so this battle has entered the courts, both on the municipal level and um, federal level. And I would say the outcome so far at the municipal courts have, has also been interesting. Um, so, so far there have been over 50 tickets issued against Food Not Bombs by the city, which is HPD. You know, I went to the first first ticket that went to trial. Uh, the city is seeking $254 per ticket. You know, if you just paid off the ticket, that's fine. Um, or you could request a trial. The first one to go to trial, even during the police testimony, Officer Ansira was like, hey, I'm not against feeding the homeless. I fed the homeless. He said that his superior had told him to go and issue a citation. You know, and like a lot of these officers, they talk about the work they do. And the work they do is really not not usually this, you know. I mean, um, and it's interesting, even in like the, in one of your stories you talked about, like, it just seemed like the officers were like, like talking to food, not bombs people. They're just like, you want this information about how you can't be there? No? Okay. Like, like they're not, yeah, it, it seems like they're they, not escalating things. They're, they're approaching it. Um like almost congenial, like if they can, if you can give out a ticket in a congenial. Yeah, I, I would say them. so. They wait until the meal is over. So the jury, though, ended up siding with food not bombs, right? Yeah. So they found a not guilty verdict, and then the following week, and uh, like half a dozen tickets went to court, and the police witness didn't show up, so the judge dismissed all the cases. And the city responds and the city says, oh, we are going, we are really dedicated to like vigorously pursuing these cases. And we're actually going to refile all the cases that were dismissed. So the city was wow. very strong, like we aren't backing down and we're not deterred reaction to these. Aside from the food, not bombs ticket, there was actually one other ticket also given at the library to it was a it was a person he has a youtube channel and what he does is he often um like records videos of interactions with law enforcement that he thinks are uh like not legal so he went out fed people he had a case go to trial before any food not bombs trials and the jury actually found him guilty but only fined him one dollar which was the minimum so i guess that the Jury finding someone guilty or not guilty, I mean, it seems like guilty of feeding people or like... Yeah, of, of violating this law. So the law that I was explaining about like providing more than five meals to people in need for free uh, on property that they don't own without written consent. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of like arguments being thrown up by food, not bombs, you know, about whether they did have written permission. And, you oh, know, I like, see. Like at one point like the city gave them permission so they should be able to. Yeah. Yeah. So they, exactly. That, kind of oh, okay, that type of thing. It. So there's like a lot of almost like technicalities, but I think even the other case showed that at least that jury, they were inclined to give a very low, um, fine, We'll see how the other cases go. Uh, I was actually talking to a lawyer friend about this, and he said that he was surprised that jury nullification hasn't come into play with these cases, um, because the jury can say that, that the law that they're supposed to rule on goes against their sense of morality, but lawyers aren't allowed to tell the jury that that's an option. 
there is this weird like sense of what is the law and what is morality that's going on with these juries. Um, obviously there is cost to all this. So even if you have a $1 fine, you'd still have to pay a, a lawyer, you know, like court costs. Yeah. Okay. Um, and obviously like the police officer going to testify, you know, the, the judge's time, the time of the jury. There's also a federal court case. Um, and then the next thing for that is they're seeking like an injunction on tickets, but they're going to argue that this is a, a freedom of expression, freedom of religion. Oh. And uh, the other thing I just want to mention is um, in Florida and Las Vegas, there have been similar Food Not Bombs cases, because like I said, Food Not Bombs has multiple chapters. And there have been similar lawsuits against city rules limiting food sharing in parks. And um, those cases were decided in Food Not Bombs' favor. In the case of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, an appellate court said that the organization's food sharing was expressive conduct protected by the First Amendment. And, um, you know, speaking of costs, the publication Florida Bulldog reported that that case cost Fort Lauderdale taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. So it seems like that Mayor Turner's office is going to continue. But what about um, the future mayors, you know, the mayoral candidates? Um, have they um, talked about their thoughts on food not bombs or, you know, on homelessness? What's their thoughts? Great question. Um, actually, a number of mayoral candidates uh, shared their positions on homelessness in a forum on August 17th. There were eight mayoral candidates there, and most of the questions were actually sort of like, oh, how would you address health care for the homeless? How would you address affordability? So it was never asked by um, the moderator what they thought of this ordinance, but it kept coming up. And I just thought it was really interesting because a lot of just to go on a little bit of a tangent, you know, there's all this federal money related to COVID and Mayor Turner actually directed a lot of it to solving homelessness. Uh, you know, this has been a big issue for him during, but those federal dollars are going to run out. And at that point, you know, all these organizations who have been using that money to address homelessness are going to have to figure out what next. So there's this really big expensive question and Houston's budget um, the amount of property tax revenue that they can receive is very limited. So like, unless there's an influx of dollars, they don't have like extra money to give to the issue. So that's a very hard question to answer. It's like, how are you going to like right. solve this like really tricky financial question? But what yeah. people kept going to was, oh, I would stop. I'm against this ordinance. Being against the ordinance is free. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe uh, almost all of the candidates uh, brought it up unsolicited. So Derek Bros, Gilbert Garcia, Lee Kaplan, Sheila Jackson Lee, and Robin Williams all said that they were opposed to this ordinance. Um, a number of people just stayed silent on the issue because they weren't asked, but they didn't say support or um, non-support. And that was John Whitmire, Robert Gallegos, and... Now fall Hujami. You know, like some of these cases are proceeding, but it, I feel like depending on who the next mayor is, it might become like a moot point. But I think that 
just the the issue in general with you know how how can Houston kind of go about keeping like the homeless population low or lowering it even further um, is going to be um, be a big challenge in in general. Like affordability in Houston has been declining. I'm kind of curious, you know, as certain funding mechanisms go away, at the same time you have housing costs go up. You know, what are we going to see? I'll say, like, when I was out reporting this story, you know, I was talking to some people I knew who have been, you know, chronically homeless or maybe they were housed and then lost their housing. And they were like, oh, wow. Um, You know, like, I see a lot fewer, like, food service events, but also some of those spots, there aren't homeless people anymore. Like, and this is a whole other story, like, clearing... Um, they call it decommissioning an encampment, which is giving everyone their housing. There was recently an event where a lot of mayors were in town in Houston. And um, Mayor Turner met with a number of them and showed them, um, you know, this facility related to Houston's homelessness response. And he was talking to them and he was saying, you know, like, no matter how many people you're housing, the public is going to they can't see that, you know, they go by their gut, they go by like, oh, but I see homeless people. So he's like, that's why like closing down encampments is important. If you're like, oh, I used to always see homeless people there. And now I don't. In their mind, something has changed. If you've gone to the West Coast, well, I'm just saying West Coast, because that's my frame of reference. But, you know, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, where it's like, visibly you can see it has gotten worse you know and so I think that there's this perception that it's getting worse everywhere and you know or that we can't control it anywhere so I think like the fact that Houston has like is it it almost seems like people are sort of mystified by it but I just wonder like how long it it can last and like you said like if is it just gonna are we gonna slip back into yeah and I'll say a lot of cities on the west coast actually house more people a year than Houston does but more people a year are becoming homeless oh really wow yeah so it'll be interesting to see what happens and thanks for chatting with me about it yeah and uh Rebecca obviously will follow this as well as a, a number of issues related to you know how we uh serve our unhoused population in Houston. Um, So if you ever want to get in touch with her, what's the best way? You can reach out by email or Twitter. I'm at R-A-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. And I'm at uh, marissa.luck at houstonchronicle.com is my email and uh, marissalex7 on Twitter. Uh, If you ever have a story idea, suggestion, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We're always looking for you know, what's going on in Houston. Um, If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And uh, thank you to our print editors, Carol Motzinger and Brian Rausch. Thank you to Pirate Studios um, for the editing. Thank you to Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos, for the theme music. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Until next time. 